podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coop Show. It is Monday. It can only mean one thing. Nat and Mike Monday, week six of the NFL. Pretty much in at the books and there is a time for us to get our teeth into Brock Purdy and losing a game. Shocker. Who'd have thunk that? The Eagles drop a game too. So it's as you were in terms of the NFC power rankings or is it? Are we taking Detroit seriously? We love Detroit but are they credible Super Bowl contenders? Speaking of contenders with the Jets D laying down that marker against Philly. Zach Wilson getting better and better. Are the New York Jets suddenly back in the frame? As a team we need to take seriously, the Bengals are heating up 2-3-3 three, and three now. 500 for Joe Burrow, ton to get into. Week 6 lockdown. We will break it down for you right now here on the NC Show. Hi, Mike. Good to see you, man. Hey, what a weekend. <laughs> what a weekend. You know what? They finished the International Series and the weather immediately turned cold. <laughs> Go figure. It, it was like last Coincidence? night. Coincidence? <laughs> yeah, last night it was really cold. They, and, I mean, they're powerful, but they're not that powerful. <laughs> I don't know. Ever since that New York Super Bowl, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when it when it, the snow the snow laid off until like three seconds after I got on the bus back to Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> God, I just remember going round and round JFK, Tom because you remember how ill I was and me and Colin Murray Colin Murray desperate for us to stay another night in New York this plane's right. not going to take off we're going to get another night in New York and me just having everything crossed please <laughs> for the love of God take off I need to get home oh boy hey listen hear me out on Mike off the bat hear me out I'll hear you out I think week six and you can cast this in stone gang if you're buying this I think week six will go down as the week of the unfashionable quarterback coming good that's what I'm thinking because it's you've one got, way to one way to look at it. Yeah. Look at the, here's the evidence, right? Here is let me put let me lay my case out this cold <laughs> Monday morning. Zach Wilson's on the comeback trail. You got PJ Walker, one start, one win against big game. Ray PJ, best team in football as well. We had a rare Brian Hoyer sighting as well. That's Brian true. Hoyer. That's and then true. the poster boy of it all, Jared Goff, who we've talked about a lot on the show this season in particular, written off by all of those different people is now. Well, you, yeah, that I don't, you know, I don't buy into that. I've never written Jared Goff. No, you haven't, but most people no. have. And certainly yeah. the move out of LA, most people have. That's the point is that he's an, he is the prototype of the unfashionable quarterback. And yet the Lions are here as well. Okay. Let's start with them. Are the Lions Super yeah. Bowl contenders? Mike? I think so. Um, you know, I think, I think there's some flaws in their game um, and, and their passing game tends to be a more underneath sort of game which people will figure ways out to stop yeah. um but having said having said that what are the flaws um, so some they, flaws in that game what would you say they are well that that's the main one i think is is that they they could become they're they're although you don't think of it with jared goff because he's got such a strong arm they're, they're kind of a dink and dunk offense um but they're pretty well balanced if if montgomery's out that's that hurts them um because he I think he was leading the league in rushing. I mean, you know, he's been consistently good, but they've got an excellent offensive line, one of the two or three best in the league, and their defense has come through, and the the line is the strength of their defense as well, the pass rush especially. So that makes them solid enough to to be a contender, you know, and um, given what happened to the other 
two contenders, the two unbeaten teams, uh, you know, you can see where the Lions could be in that kind of a mix. In that mix. Well, the Montgomery injury, incidentally, we're recording this Monday morning, so yet to give us full disclosure, but it's a rib injury. So that can be, oh, he could be starting next week. He could be out for four weeks. It could be one of those, but uh, it's not going to be season ending anyway, you'd think. So that is um, that is promising for, for the Lions. Interesting, the defensive turnaround, because inevitably we're in this, Generation in a world where we obsess with offenses and focus on that. Break down their their defensive uplift because they were fair to say the worst defense in football a year ago amongst them. Right? Mm, well, they, they weren't they, good. No, they they, they, they had serious problems, and um, well, they went out they went out to solve those problems, and then the problem was that you know they had um, um, Gardner Johnson injured, you know, but he's back. Um, you know, so they, they actually built themselves a good secondary. Branch was a good draft pick. Um, so he's he's contributed. Anzalone is playing like um like Matt Milano, you know, right. like, like the Matt Milano of the other side of the lakes, you know. <laughs> um and but he he gets hurt a lot. That's that's been the you know, that's been the problem with his his career. Uh, so as long as he stays healthy and then they've got the pass rush, you know, and Aiden Hutchinson's having a really, a really good season. And, and, you know, with pass rushing teams, um, they will allow some stuff, but they'll make big plays. And that's kind of what happened against Tampa. Mayfield had second half, especially somebody in his face almost every time he threw, uh, and he's not a good enough passer, um, you know, to be able to, he's not big enough, basically, you know, to be able to throw over those, that kind of a rush and that, that effect, he had receivers. I mean, it wasn't like Tampa didn't have a chance in this game. You yeah. know, he had, he had receivers open at times, but he couldn't get to them because of the, because of the rush. Yeah. And and Baker, uh, well, he, he would have been on that list, I guess, going into week six in terms of the unfashionable quarterback coming good, but he that's true. That's true. Difficult game, but it's certainly the Bucks will still feel that they're in the mix. Detroit, with that win, they roll to five and one, three and zero on the road this season as well. And a lot of you have got in touch. The passing up mailbag is bursting. I might you'll be delighted to hear. A lot of you got in touch about the lines, including one of my favorite handles, Celine Dijon. <laughs> I love that. Who uh, <laughs> is a Bears fan? Uh, so Celine says it's galling for me to write this, but Detroit looked like they might finally be legit contenders and wondering if we feel the same. Well, we certainly do. I, I've been raving about them. I Mike certainly sees them in the mix. And as you say, Mike, because of what happened with San Francisco and Philly, the NFC fascinating week on week. So let's talk about the San Francisco defeat first, because right. people are saying, well, McCaffrey went out, Debo was out. If Moody makes that kick, which nine times out of ten he makes, then we're having a different conversation. But the Browns are backed up outside of Deshaun. They had two starting linemen out as well. They were dealing with injury issues of their own. Yeah, everybody, everybody does. And obviously, you know, star skill position players are, are get more attention. Um, but even though this was a game San Francisco should have won, uh, M- Moody missed it. 42-yard field goal, yeah. which you, you normally expect to, to make, and that would have been the game. Um, they shouldn't have been in that position regardless, and and they were in that position because Cleveland's defense was putting pressure on Brock Purdy, and and partly without Debo, but and without McCaffrey, they looked very ordinary yeah. offensively, and, you know, Last week, everyone was saying, well, Purdy's actually one of the top three quarterbacks in the league or four quarterbacks in the league and, you know, put him on Miami and, you know, see what see what he could do in that in that offense and stuff. But 
you know, it, it's a team game. It's not a game. There are very few quarterbacks who carry a team on their own shoulders. And I'm not sure Purdy is, is one of us. He played well enough, um, you know, had a shaky start in the second half, but came back and they, mm. they went down on the drive. And I thought Cleveland was lucky because that, that flag for unnecessary roughness, mm. I thought was a pretty cheap penalty. And then, you know, then they got an, another penalty to keep it, to keep the drive alive. Um, and so I thought that that was that was pretty tough on them. Um, they got some breaks, but it's a it's a fair point, isn't it? That you take Mixon and Chase out of the Bengals, and Joe Burrow's obviously gonna find it's gonna be a, a flatter off all, all around. It, it wasn't just two of the pieces. McCaffrey has been on fire this season, and Debo, as yeah. we know, is such a such a a multi-faceted threat out there that you can kind of un- understand it might here's one i was thinking with i couldn't really carry them that's yeah you know, right that's that's the problem and but yeah. that you you've got three really good receivers and kittle was a non-factor for, most, yeah, yeah. for most of the game so yeah that that was the, that was their offensive problem purdy as you said everyone was hyped up <laughs> present company included in that as well about yeah, purdy. absolutely but we kind of we were all buying it and you know we're i'm not selling i'm not i'm not selling them out no yeah, not at yeah, all yeah yeah, but he had uh, he's had a, a brilliant start to his NFL career. It was a winning streak, regular season winning streak of ten. That's ended now with his defeat. He hasn't had to deal with adversity yet, has he, Purdy? So this would be interesting. Well, that... unless you call unless you call injury injuring your throwing elbow in in the NFC Championship you know game. You know what it's I mean? Pressure. <laughs> okay, I'll accept that. But the pressure. Let's just say that. They have a you know a tricky couple of weeks. He has a tricky couple of weeks. We haven't he hasn't dealt with that yet in his young career. That you know, Burrow, great example. This season, they go 0-3. He's obviously banged up. Everybody's writing the Bengals off obviously with their win yesterday. They're now back at 500 and starting to find some juice. But Purdy hasn't had to deal with that. So it'll be interesting to see how, if and how. If he has yeah, to, I, I think that that's absolutely right. And the other thing that came back, and, and someone said during the week. Jim Schwartz has a great record against Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. If you go back to coordinating days, you know, and 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 that that was true again. You know, he did a really good job of of containing those crossing routes and the you know passing. But the other thing mm-hmm. with Kyle Shanahan, and, and it was like flashback to Atlanta in the Super Bowl. They got the ball with three twenty one to play, and they went pass, pass, pass using up 16 seconds and Cleveland still had their two timeouts mm. um, before the two minute warning. So, you know, if, if now oh, granted McCaffrey's out, so maybe you don't trust your run game enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if they, um, if they kill some clock in that case, now it, the result may be that they don't leave themselves any time to score after Cleveland went ahead. But yeah. on the other hand, you make it, you might make it harder for Cleveland to score. And I, I, yeah, yeah, I thought they did. They did handle the clock well enough when they came down on the on the last drive um, for the winning field goal. Yeah. So what that, do you think about this hot take I saw doing the rats that Brock Purdy doesn't like playing in the rain or bad in bad conditions? Well, I mean, no, who does? But you know, it, I mean, he, quite. Yeah, he played. He played. Um, he played at at um, Iowa State, so he's pretty used to it, right? He, he should be used to some some bad condition games. I mean, you know. Um, and 
you could see occasionally this the slippery ball. I thought I thought a couple of in a couple of games, I thought you could see the effects of the slippery ball. There was one missed field goal where where Cordy Bajorquez was holding, and you, I, I thought it was he he slipped, you know, the, the ball slipped on the hole, that kind mm. of thing. But, um, um, did you see Carson pre-game when there was a bit of jawing going on. Debo is right in the mix there. Oh man, the Hanson brothers. <laughs> did you see did you see Trent Williams bowl over like Andre the Giant? <laughs> Just cleaning house. Oh, that was great. It was great. You know, the, you know, he might he may need a manager, you know. So like when he <laughs> yeah. when he got hurt, the, the manager could run on the field and start, you know, <laughs> hacking at the hacking at the referees with his cane or something. Um <laughs> Freddie Blassie. Um the other interesting thing, I, I mean it's weird. I went eleven and three, right? Straight up. Nice. Two, the two Good upsets. Week. There's two upsets showed me. The other game that killed me was the one that was my best bet of the week, which was Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta. You're, on, you're on fire. I, all, all I have to do to ensure a team's going to lose is make them my best. And best I was bet. sitting there and yeah. my brain was going under, under, mm. under. And I said, Atlanta, oh, okay, two and a half. They're at home. We'll take Atlanta. And then my brain's going under, under. <laughs> of the 14 games that have been played this week, 13 yeah. of them went under. <laughs> I could have it was a I could have just stuck a pin in my it, chart yeah. <laughs> and said under and it would have it would have been fine, you know. Uh, well, Propos, uh, yeah, celebrating the he's the unders king of Plumpton, of course. It is his Drew Lock came in. Mine mine didn't, mine was San Francisco, inevitable. So uh, we're both we're both at five hundred as well. We're like the Bengals. Oh, I'm right? below five hundred, and that's oh, that's killing me. You're on this, tilt right now. You're on tilt. Yeah. So the 49ers drop uh, uh game, and of course the Eagles do as well. Let's talk about the the Jets a little bit more um, because, well, as I said at the top, Wilson's getting better and better week on week, although it's not not a high bar admittedly, but he protected the ball well. They've got a ferocious defense, as we saw, and pretty decent ground game as well. Are the Jets in this kooky season we're having so far, back in the mix now, do you think, with that win? Um, I think people will... We'll stop writing them off so much. Although, although the what would you call it, the strategy, the tactic he used against the Jets is to pressure, pressure, pressure Wilson and wait for mistakes, mm. which they, as you said, they're trying to get away with the run game, and the run game actually worked pretty well. They, considering that their line's not really great and, uh, and banged up as well, yeah. Um, and I thought Philadelphia was kind of selling out to get to Wilson a little bit, mm. um, and and that that was a problem. But the the other thing was. Hurts, Hurts made well. They had four turnovers, and that's that's kind of what killed them. And a couple of them were kind of bad air. The the pass intercepted by Tony Adams, which was the big yeah, play yeah, of yeah. the game, was was a bad bad choice and, and bad pass. Um, but Philadelphia were were kind of like struggling offensively. You know that first drive which was 19 plays. You don't go 19 plays unless you're struggling, you know, um, and, and they couldn't seem to get into an offensive rhythm. You know, at some points it seemed like Hertz was going to have to run for them to get, to get into rhythms. At other points, it seemed like AJ Brown was going to have to get the ball. Um, and then they remembered Goddard was there and, and yeah. that, that led to the interception, but that's not Goddard's fault. It's fascinating. Um, cause it, cause I'm looking here at my, my notes. Fascinating that I have notes for starters, but also uh, this game I've written, why couldn't they find them. I was going to ask you that very question. So yeah, said they there could, we go. What? Why couldn't they? Why they? Well, I think that's probably down to the Jets' defense. Yeah. Um, which 
isn't as great as people think, but they've got some playmakers and they can put pressure on you in different ways. And I, I think it, to an extent, Ulbrich was out guessing, um, you know, that, that they were, they were kind of anticipating what, um, what Philadelphia was going to run, you know, the kind of plays that they, that they would go to mm. and de- defending for that. Uh, and when you, when you can do that, it's a gamble obviously, but, I, you know, I think I said last week that, you know, Philadelphia's offense wasn't quite at first this year. It was their defense that seemed to be letting them down a bit. But now their offense doesn't really seem to be as effective as it was last year. Um, and, you know, and I like the idea that DeAndre Swift was getting more involved as a receiver yeah. because I think they need that. They, that's why they got him, you know, and and they need to be going to that more more often. Um but you know those those folks who say you run to you know to win these games, um, you know that this was a running game. It you know primarily. it's primarily it is interesting the um, the Jets with with that D. Brees Hall was he was getting some traction out of the backfield as well, wasn't he? I mean they've got you, you figure Dalvin Cook's going to come good at some point, right? As well, I mean they are an interesting proposition now, and I guess it also negates given the way Wilson's improved, it negates probably they're making a. A move before the trade deadline. There was all that buzz, of course. Particularly Cousins was a player they kept getting linked with, and there's this talk as well, Mike. The Rogers might be back in in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I, I can't see anyone get you know being crazy for Cousins um, because <laughs> basically you're getting him for the rest of the year, mm. and even if they absorb most of his salary, you know it's not it's not really a bargain, and and you're going to have to pay him in the top echelon to keep you would assume after, after this year, you know, the Vikes are almost the only team that could get away with saying, well, why should we pay you in the top echelon when we're not playing like a top echelon uh, echelon team with you? And uh, that's a good argument, but someone, someone will probably be willing to pay him in the off season. Well, you'd figure, right? Because now Propo, sent a message in our WhatsApp group, I might, which I'm going to jump to because it's kind of relevant to the point you just made. Just in terms of, well, in different quarterbacking plays. So I led the show by saying it's the, the week of the unfashionable quarterback coming good. And, and that is true. At least you could put a valid argument. But this was from Scott Kazmar, the original tweet, right? Quarterbacks with a QBR above 60 in, in, in this season, right? So the quarterbacks with a rating of 60 or higher. Week one, 11. Week two, 19. 11, 16, 13, 4. <laughs> Monday Night Football notwithstanding. So is it just... Scott Scott can be a bitter guy at times when you're talking about quarterbacks. Don't mention Tom Brady. <laughs> Apparently so. So Scott is uh, highlighting, of course, the mm, underwhelming quarterback play for much of the season, certainly in the, in the last couple of weeks in particular. Uh, actually looking through the numbers outside of that week, two week four so what are we yeah well 75 percent you know, of this of this season so far this is this is the espn qbr mm. um so basically 16 is halfway down the league mm. right um so if 16 quarterbacks have a 60 rating that 60 rating is basically the median for the for the league yeah if only 11 have it then yeah. you're talking about Obviously, top ten quarterbacks is cutoff point. Yeah, four, if four, only four have it, you're talking, <laughs> yeah. you're talking the elite. <laughs> yeah. So this this kind of begs the question: if we bring this round to to Tyreek Hill and 
What was his QBR? Yeah, it was better than better than four, at least four other players in the league this week. He uh, has had another another massive week, of course. It is on course. If you believe the on course numbers projecting forwards to hit two thousand three hundred and six. Uh, receiving yards no receiver's ever broken 2000 yards he's got a decent shot obviously at, at that yeah if he gets near it mike is he a legitimate mvp contender in a the world we're I, in i think i think he's already i think he's already a legitimate mvp contender much more so than tua um and that's not a knock on tua sure. but hill's the guy who makes that team different yeah, um, you know, and he's the guy you have to account for first. Um, so their offense is kind of built around two. I mean, you could make the same sort of argument for McCaffrey and San Francisco, say, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. although San Francisco's got a sort of different dynamic um, MV- MVP wise. And there was a play I was I was watching football and France and South Africa at the same time. <laughs> yes, so was I. Yeah, yeah. And a friend a friend of mine was on the phone with me covering the bits of France, South Africa that I couldn't watch because I was wa- busy watching the football. <laughs> uh, and then at one point I said, did you, did you know, you should have just seen Tyreek Hill. I said, they were so far laying so far off him that he ran like a 20 yard curl. And when he faked and then started the curl, the guy who was off him by 10 yards dropped back another five yards. He came forward five yards for the curl. He was literally 20 yards open. It wasn't a defender. The closest defender to him was probably 15 yards to the inside of him. And the guy who was covering him was 20 yards behind him when he caught the ball. So he catches the ball like 16 yards downfield and he gets an automatic 12 uh, on top of that, before the other guy even comes into sight, oh, it was, it's amazing what 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 he can do. And it's amazing, and and in a in a perfect or a, a, an optimum setup for him, of course, for his skills. Just looking at the list as you're talking, Mike of of, of MVPs. I mean, the last non quarterback was uh, was Adrian Peterson, right? The last non right. That's probably one. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're going back a decade at least. So it's very hard for non-quarterbacks to to, to win. Yeah, it. but he's got a really a really good shot uh, if he carries on at this pace. What do you make of that that Dolphins game? Because speaking of keeping on at pace, and of course they went into a fourteen point hole early on against the Panthers, bit of a scare, but but found their found their groove soon enough, and they are now on course. The Dolphins this is for one of the great offenses in in modern yeah. era NFL. Yeah, I think this one is. This one is in that same group with the, the the Rams at the turn of this century and the and the Rams in Los Angeles in 1950, 1951, which nobody now remembers. Except you talk me. about him a bit, yeah. Because yeah. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> um but um you know they're in they're in that category, a kind of class above, but you can control them as as uh, Buffalo showed. Yeah. Um and the Carolina went up 14 nothing. But I think Bryce Young's ceiling is still too low for that game. They they couldn't win a shootout, you know. And if Pinheiro hadn't missed the field goal right at halftime, it would have been 21-17 at, yeah. at the half. And, um, you know, that that would have kind of kept them in the game. I'm not sure what, what um, Frank Reich said at halftime. Maybe somebody like, come on, you guys, I want to get out of this job. <laughs> <laughs> Stop messing me around. Maybe he um, could but, be Trent Williams' manager next season. Yeah, um, but I thought I thought they looked, you know, they looked pretty good. And and interesting when you talk about like the the hyped quarterbacks, you know, yeah. Bryce Young obviously was the top draft pick. And yeah, 
he's gotten a bit better as he adjusts to the game, but he's obviously had to adjust to the game. And and the the, the one criticism of him, which was his size, comes into play a bit like Baker Mayfield in the sense that if he's stuck in the pocket, he's got to see things you know better. But but C.J. Stroud was like hype of the week. Um, and he threw his first interception, but he still looked good and, yeah. as as Houston won. Um, that could have been my best bet. I was kind of proud of picking them in in that in that situation. Yeah, I think I took him. I think I took him as well. I've been on that that Stroud bandwagon all, all season long, so I'm glad to see that. Hey, just on the Miami game, just back to that quickly, and, and going to the passing up mailbag and James Gregory. Hey, James, where does the Hill touchdown? selfie celebration rank in Nat's <laughs> all-time TD prop celebration. So we have, of well, course... He's asked you, so you better ask for that. Yeah, Joe Horn um, is, yeah. Is, is my number one. Chad Johnson in the Hall of Fame jacket is two. I think yeah. Tyreek... I think he's in the top five with this. I think he's... I think... Okay. There's... there's- there's Terrell Owens in the in the Sharpie and Sharpie. The sock. I like the popcorn as well, Terrell Owens. Yeah. Just the popcorn straight into the grill. Yeah. The Sharpie was great. Who would you have? Who else would you have? Anyone? Well, I'm not sure. I'm trying to, you know. What was the Carlson <laughs> touchdown celebration? When you what? In the rare moments you found the end zone. What was your what was kind your of kind of surprise? Toss the ball back to the referee and then go in the huddle and have one of my teammates say you actually didn't get your foot down. <laughs> I do. You know what though? I, li- I like that. That literally, that literally happened to me. It's the best catch I ever made in college. Your teammates one, one of my teammates says, "Your foot, your foot wasn't down." <laughs> I said, I, "I just turned around, gave him a quick expletive." Yeah. <laughs> that was our, that was our team, yeah. that was our team spirit. Sounds you know? like a great vibe there. The um, I like you. I like the understated Julio Jones just hand the ball back to the ref and walk off. I did quite like that. Just no, no yeah. nonsense. It's funny how many different people are giving credit for the um. The original quote, you know, when you get to the end zone, act like you've been there before. Mm. Um, you know, I've seen it attributed to about six different people. Uh, Who is the original? Me. Who's the OG? I don't know. I mean, I've I've tried to figure it out, but you know, it's been attributed to Daryl Royal, the coach of Texas, um, to Bear Bryant, to um, Vince Lombardi, um, to um, oh, let's see. this is another NFL coach um, who's in, who's in that mix. Um, but, but it's kind of an obvious thing to say. Sure. I thought you need to divide the celebrations up into the the ones that require that require a prop. Yeah, fine, <laughs> and the, and, the, and the ones that are just kind of choreographed. Because I don't yeah. know, there's there's so many of them that are choreographed and you know and are fun or or funny. But apparently, this one was planned. The guy yeah. with the the guy with the phone was was there to give him the phone after he, when he gives it back to him you could tell he's yeah. not actually in the yeah the angle of it initially that did he grab it from a fan and then yeah yeah i'll know that it was it was set up but brilliant nevertheless love that for him but that's well that's the brilliance of it you know because when you say it's, it's it was the brilliance of the sharpie in the sock mm. you know or the phone in the phone mm. in the um in the upright you know because hey, what you're saying is i'm going to score I'm scoring <laughs> so <laughs> i gotta set it well. up yeah does he have it did he have it set up at both ends i wonder that's what i wonder if joe horn had a mobile at both ends um that is well i want to know what chad uh feels about that i'm sure someone will ask him i will try and find out and I, yeah, I wonder if Tyreek in the he would have been asked about it. It must have been a bit of a nod to Joe Horn, wasn't it? It was uh, next gen. It was Gen Z's Joe Horn nod. Uh, oh gosh, let's talk Sunday so night football. Who what would you? Game. Who would you take, Tyreek or Tyrod? Oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, do you want, do you want to go there? Yeah. Why not? This it was good. I mean, you know, um, the Bills probably in a, have you know a bit of a down um, mm-hmm. a, a, after the London game. Um, 
I yeah. like to call the. I didn't really call this Tyrod Bowl. I called it Day Bowl. <laughs> but but you know it's like ex Buffalo people everywhere. Um, we got a lot of questions and, about the final play of the game, Mike. So let's let's leave with that. So Stephen yeah, Adams, that, that was... Adam as well. So here's what some of the gang is saying. Well, the first uh, straightforward. Your your Iron Mike's view on the last play of the game. A bit more detail from Adam. How on earth wasn't that a holding call on Waller? How uh, on earth wasn't it? Because we're in the end. Yeah. Now, mm. and how do you? I we've been watching these things. I, the one that always jumps out at me is 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 um, um, Luke Keekley with his arms around Gronkowski in the end zone uh, and not called for a hold. You know, yeah. Gronk, Gronk can't get to the ball. I mean, you could have thrown the flag on the last three pass plays, and really without an argument. You know, uh, the question was, could they get it in from the one? Because you remember at halftime. They had first and goal at the one yeah. after an interference call. Oh gosh! Yeah. And they and they ran Barkley and he didn't yeah. get it. They they I think they had nine seconds to begin with or whatever, and so they couldn't get another playoff because they didn't have any timeouts. And in that situation, you have to pass the ball. Yeah. To give yourself a second chance, yeah. you know it. It's like it, it's almost elementary, and I, I know they were. Yeah. I, I understand why they might not have, but you know, well, can you explain you, that to me? Because I didn't. Because like for that very reason alone, even if you feel it's because be, if you pass yeah. the ball and it's not there, the clock will stop. You tell you tell your quarterback or your quarterback. No, no, no. I understand. No. Why did they run it? Is what I'm asking. Oh well, maybe thinking that they that the opposition assumed it would be a pass, mm. you know, and maybe thinking that Barkley can get in from the one, you know, and so that so that that would be it. And maybe it looked from Dayball's face that he might've thought they could have got a second playoff, Yeah, but that was always a long shot. You oh, know, nine the, seconds. The no, Buff- no, yeah. No. The Buffalo players have no obligation to sprint <laughs> back to the yeah. line of scrimmage, you know, right. and as, as the South Africans did in the last two minutes of the game where, where Fath, the, the little beach boy who, Who's the scrum half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're setting up a scrum, and he takes the ball and walks to the other side of the field, and then the referee looks around and tells him to come back, and finally says, "Clock off," because (laughs) (laughs) he's going to use up 45 seconds just getting to the scrum. Um, It was great. Yeah, that was the, the that was the same the same sort of thing, and it was actually a remarkably even game. And Tyrod kind of played the way Daniel Jones does but with better touch i thought you know as a passer um to give him his due because he yeah. rarely gets his due he's he's really had a you know he's constantly gone to bad teams as a second choice quarterback yeah um, and and that's been mostly his career but you know i thought he he did okay um saquon was most of his yards came on like those three carries in the last drive but you know but you'll still take that um and really all they needed was um a goal, a, a red zone receiving target, because mm. neither Robinson nor Slayton really is one, um, mm. or else you scheme something for them um, to be able to do that. And you know, it, it it wouldn't have been Bass missed two field goals, but they were they were both fifty plus, and we have to stop considering that fifty yard field goals in outdoor stadiums when it's raining and stuff are automatics. Oh, sure, know? sure. Uh, just on um, on. A quote, one of the quotes post-game from the presser, Josh Allen said, our, de- our defense bailed us out. It was ugly. Our defense bailed us out, which is a fair point, whatever your, your take on that final play is. What did you make of the Bills' defense collectively, minus Milano and Co.? So it is a, it's a banged-up D now. 
what they adjusted they adjusted a bit and I think they got a really good day, game out of Teron Johnson, um, who played a lot. Sort of, he's a slot corner basically, but he played a lot kind of in toward the box. And they were, I think, they were trying to make up for the loss of Milano uh, there because Jacksonville had taken advantage of of that to you know to throw under the inside linebackers um, or the line the two linebackers um, a lot and they got good pressure too. But the Giants' line's not very good. You know, um, and they need their their problem to me is that on the edges that, you know, they play a four to the Carol. It's basically the Carolina defense. They blitz a bit more because McDermott played on uh, coached under Johnson, Jimmy Johnson and mm. um, with the Eagles. But in that you need you need good interior guys who can penetrate, which they've got in, in Oliver, but you need the outside guys have to be able to hold the edge as well. And they're stuck in the middle with guys who are either one dimensional rushers, like more or less like Russo or guys who are good, but not great at rush and edge Espensa, who's been playing really well, basically, but they need, you know, Carolina had Julius Peppers one end. That, that was one of the difference makers for them. Mm. And then, you know, you need two linebackers who cover a lot of ground and can do everything. And they had Keek, Keekley and Tom, and Thomas Jones. They could do it, literally could do everything. Thomas Jones was a safety in college who converted to linebacker. Um, and so that that's kind of the the requirement. They, you know, with Milano, they had that. And Bernard, um, who, who's come along great. Uh, and that's going to still be hard for them to, to um, overcome. But, you know, it puts everybody, everybody's, falling back now into the mass, you know? Mm. Well, this is, I mean, this is it. I mean, it, with the performances and the context, particularly with for the 49ers, to an extent, the Eagles, how much should we be careful not to overreact here that normal business will receive? In fact, we've got a question, I think, to that effect. Uh, let me just zip up uh, the passing up mailbag again and give you props to, yeah, fire on Duffield. Hey, here we go. This week did provide some interesting results. Have your opinions about teams on both sides of the results being changed? The both sides I thought was a really interesting angle there. So we've, we've kind of cut, touched this a little bit, would say with the Jets, for example, but with the 49ers, with the issues that the Eagles had off offensively, has their star waned a little bit for you or do you still see them very much as the best in show in the NFC? Well, in the NFC, for, for sure. And I guess, you know, you can start to, Think about Detroit in in that mix as well. Da and I, you know, I want to see what Dallas does tonight um, right. against the Chargers because they could kind of reinsert themselves in the mix. Although we we know they're not that good a team, you know, they're they're shiny shiny hood ornament kind of team. Mm -hmm. um, but what what's interesting to me is how all these bad teams have played pretty well against good teams this yeah. week. So you know, what's the difference between like one in four Minnesota beating one in four Chicago and one in four Denver, you know, holding Kansas City to, to 19 points or, mm -hmm. or, you know, or the the Jets were, what were the Jets were? The Giants are one in five. They nearly beat Buffalo. Um, the Jets were one and what? They were one in four, weren't they? No. Were they two and three going into this game? Yeah, so let's have a yeah, they were. They, they were two, two and three. They're yeah, 500 two. now, aren't they? So, yeah, so, yeah they're three and three now. Um, and then, you know, and then the one in four Patriots were 
stonk up the joint again. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, okay. less than Against 30 Vegas. seconds on the pages. We feel like we Well, they could have won. You know, Mac Jones did the usual Mac Jones. They fall behind and he Get throws an insane into The ball to Hunter Henry was just, I mean. It wasn't to Hunter Henry. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it should have been to Hunter Henry, but it explain wasn't. Explain that. You know, we, I can't explain it. I've, I've oh, looked really? at it. Really? It's crazy, I've, isn't it's it? Just, it's just like a throw that. You know, he's thinking one thing and does another, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. but in fairness to Mac, last drive of the game, they've got, you know, and they get two penalties inside their, I mean, Belichick, Belichick must want to go home and slit his wrists, you know, it's <laughs> like, but they get, and, and after the first penalty, Jones drops back, he's throwing from the end zone and he hits Devontae I had a not Devontae Parker. Parker. You might have the way he was throwing, you might have hit Devontae Adams. Yeah. At, 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 at midfield perfectly. Yeah. Drops it in right over his shoulder into yeah. his hands, and Parker drops it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and this is what defines bad teams. Yeah. You know, when they when someone needs to make a play, they've got no one to make a play. Um, and you know, that's such a good point. And I, I noticed at one point, I don't know if it's before or after that, but it was when Parker was open and Jones didn't hit him. And Parker was giving it the, you know, the receiver histrionics, the eyes rolling yeah. out, you know, and then, and then drops an absolute dolly. But yeah, that was, that was baffling. So inevitably the quarterback situation is coming up again and again, but that was, I think that was the first time when I thought mm, this could be all she wrote for, for Mac Jones here, like giving him the benefit of the doubt, indifferent, fairly, they're, they're trying to make it simple for it. Yeah. They're, they're running all underneath stuff, slats, yeah. you know, and, and of course they don't have playmakers to turn those into big gains, you know, and then, you know, it, it was good for them that Jacoby Myers didn't kill them um, because that probably would have been too much to bear. If, they, if, <laughs> sure. if, he, if he had speaking of bear. Oh yeah. Nice segue. Chicago, yes. Chicago, right against Minnesota. Mm. At one point early in the game, I just, I, they came down. They had like a, a great drive. Uh, Devontae Freeman was the running back. Yeah. And every time Devontae Freeman gets a chance, he runs well. Although yeah. later in the game, you saw why he doesn't play more because he nearly got he got Justin Fields injured out and out because he can't pass block worth a lick. Um, but he carried the ball well. They went downfield five straight runs. They're in inside the, uh, the red zone. I think they might have even been inside the 10. And then they throw the ball twice. And I screamed, <laughs> why are you throwing the ball? You want Fields to be involved? Run him. Let him run. Do yeah. not throw the ball. You know, it's just, it's it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing to ask him to do. And, um, you know, sure enough, that's what that's what happened. Um, yeah. Then there he, were, he, he, the introduction of Tyson Bajan as well, whose dad, did you hear it on the comms? I didn't realize his dad was a professional arm wrestler. No. Did you I hear that? that? Did you hear that? No. So yeah. that, I mean, because Ollie and I were, I think actually- We're arm wrestling at the time. <laughs> we are arm wrestling. What are, what are the odds, right? Are, I've been in I've been in a studio with you and Ollie. <laughs> the, um, the, actually, it might be with Ben. Have yeah, you ever seen a Gladiator movie? Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen? <laughs> you, ever, uh, you ever hang around gyms? Uh, <laughs> um, here we go. His father, Travis, was a professional arm Travis? wrestler. Really? Across his career, he won 17 world championships in the sport. He proclaims himself the greatest of all time in the sport. Wow. I'm not sure where I'm pulling this from. This might be, oh no, NBC. Okay. We used to do, when I worked for ABC, we used to do the World Wrist Wrestling Championships. In, What's the difference? In wrist Petaluma. Wrestling. You can't, you're, you're not supposed to, you know, use the arm for leverage. The arm has to stay 
And and the world, uh, the only thing I remember about it, apart from the fact it was in Petaluma, California, mm. uh, was that the world champion, probably like Babe Bajan, you know, 47-time world champion, although it's a very small world we're talking about, um, was tiny, quote, unquote, eggs Benedict. So I... The one thing as a kid, I, and then when I worked for ABC, I tried to find out, too, is Tiny his real name? <laughs> and Eggs is his nickname, or does he have two nicknames? But he uses Tiny so much, it's not a nickname anymore. He would keep me awake at night as well. Tiny Eggs Benedict, world wrist wrestling champion. But Love Tyson ben, ba, Bajan, the only thing I knew about him was he came from Shepherd College. which I had D2 never College, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, in D2. Like, like um, my favorite guy now is Jaleel McLaughlin um, from the Broncos, who hmm. played he wasn't recruited. He was too small, even though he was pretty good in high school. And they, most schools wanted him as a defensive back. So the only school that would let him play running back was Notre Dame. Mm. I said, oh, <laughs> but he didn't play. And no, it was Notre Dame College in Euclid, Ohio, which was founded by the Sisters of Our Lady <laughs> as a women's school and only went co-ed in 2000. And they only have 1,100 students and they played D2 football. And so this guy, he had two great seasons there and then transferred to Youngstown state, which is FCS. Mm. Um, and had two, well, he had two and a half good years there. Cause they played a half season after COVID, you know, and then a full season in the fall. And, yeah. and he needed, I think it was 300, 230, 221 yards to become the all time leading rusher in NCAA history. Mm. And he got 236 in his last game. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So and then he didn't get drafted, but but Denver signed him and he, he made the team. He actually he's, a, he's actually a really he's small. He's like five seven, one eighty or something. Yeah. But he runs with a lot of energy and power, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and um between him and Williams, you know, it's like a good one two combination. Well, we might see a lot more of the ball the way that season's going as well. Let's um I do love those stories, though. Just well, that, my best, my best line from the Kansas City game was, "Jerry Judy has become Judy in disguise." <laughs> do you reckon they'll deal Judy before the deadline? Is he one of the players that might? Go? He's someone. He's someone that another team might take. Yeah. Um, and they'd probably like to get out from under his contract, and it, they won't get much for him because he's basically underachieving. Mm. You know, injuries and and yeah, it's a good, uh, decent pickup, not such a great play, but he, he'd be a, a decent pickup for a team needing a game-breaking receiver. Hey, maybe like, the Patriots. Say like the him. Patriots. I was just <laughs> thinking that. He, I don't think he's one of those guys that fits Belichick's system. Isn't he? he? A big, I, uh, I thought because he's a very smart player. I thought Belichick would like. Yeah, him, that that would. Well, he likes reclamation projects too. And that know? too. Yeah there, yeah. there were a lot. There were a lot of guys he picked up that not many people wanted because of reputations. But um, there was a piece in the Boston Globe pointing out, you know, that he basically could have kept Jacoby Myers for more or less the same price that they paid Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm. And Juju has done less than nothing for yeah. them. Yeah, which is, you know, but and, that's odd because Juju and Mo Sanu, do you remember when he went a few years back, you figured, oh, what a great signing he's going to do. He's yeah. just a really good yeah. Belichick kind of player. And just didn't and, and that's what I thought, you know, Juju, he blocks, yeah. he, he's got more speed than Myers, you know, big, bigger threat. But in one sense, Myers is one of those hardworking guys who was undrafted. And, you know, and it's kind of like you have to consider team chemistry at some point, mm. whereas Belichick, does to an extent they've always wanted guys who understand the patriot way you know but on the other hand they also he's still a kind of um analytical um traits kind of um judge of talent mm. 
you know, where and so in a lot of cases there, they figure that you get a guy with the right traits and he'll he'll come along, you know, and the, the rest of the locker room will build him along. But that locker room doesn't have, have you know, Tom same, Tom yeah, Brady yeah. and and Devin McCourty and, and yeah. Julius Edelman and yeah. you know guys like that in it in it any longer. It is a different it they're a long way from Kansas. Uh let's talk <laughs> in a number of different ways. Let's talk NFL London, the Ravens Titans game. The Ravens getting it done, of course, and Ryan Tannehill leaving the game midway through. Is it the beginning of the end, do you think, for Tannehill? Oh, yeah, I, yeah I, I think I looked at this season as the beginning of the end for Tannehill, mm. you know, because they wouldn't have drafted Levis um, if they didn't think that was the case. Um, and it was interesting, Malik Willis, you know, I mean, wasn't world beating, but he didn't make terrible mistakes and, mm. and um and he can run so so you know to me that was a kind of um uh, a beckoning of of what the future the future is going to be for them um and the key to that game really was well justin tucker because <laughs> uh, that's that's 18 of their points from him yeah. and um the sacks you know that that's where willis you know you could see that willis isn't polished at all. And Tannehill was having problems as well, uh, too. And really, I thought the only way Buffalo was going to lose that game was if they came off the Baltimore. plane the way Baltimore <laughs> yeah. were going to lose that game if they uh, if they came off the plane the way Buffalo did the week before, or indeed the way Baltimore did when they played Jacksonville, what, I think it was five years ago now. They, yeah. yeah, completely flat for the first yeah. half, you know, and, and that was you know the only way they were they were not going to win win that um, game. Got a follow-up question about NFL in the UK more broadly, because a lot of buzz about this, the hype, which is it moving forward? I'm interested in your take on this. So the Super Bowl in London question, this came up and it's possible, you know, it's never going to happen, is it, Mike? No, I mean, no, no we've, we've talked about that a number of times because the, the story comes out as hype every three years. Yeah, so. it just gets hyped out. So yeah, because, and, and yeah, just in a nutshell, the Super Bowl has to be on in prime time in America. Yeah. Prime time in America 6.30 kickoff is 11.30 at night in Britain. I can see that they, the NFL could get special dispensation to do that from, yeah. from whatever council runs Spurs Stadium. But you also have to have the transportation system running yeah. uh, at night, you know, and, and all kinds of other stuff that just doesn't happen here. Yeah. Um, you know, plus you need to bring the players over, obviously, for a full week to acclimate to the um, which is possible because you may have it's two weeks. Super Bowl, right? So you could always give you could always give a two week, you know, which the NFL would like because it eventually will play the Super Bowl on the fourth of July. Um <laughs> <laughs> and start the next season on on the on the first of August, you know. Um, so yeah, that was because one of um one or two of you got in touch. Adam mentioned this as well. Or, I don't I, I just don't see it. I don't yeah, I don't see it. Playoff game, maybe, maybe playoff game would be possible. Yeah. Um because you can play an early playoff game. Um, you could get a six, you could do like a six o'clock start here, um, for a playoff game. And that, that would work. Um, there's a lot they of talk. Also, of... They could also give it to NFL network or right, exactly. whoever, whoever gets that third playoff game on those days. You know? Amazon, they get it. Yeah. The, the yeah. Talk of course, uh, with the games in Germany and Goodell coming out and saying they're looking at other markets as though this is a surprise to us. Of course, they're looking yeah. at other markets. So given we're, what, 15 years and change on from the first international series game, where's your head at now in terms of what you think it will happen over the next decade or so? Franchise, well, more games, same number French, of games? French, more games for London seems to me unlikely. Yeah. Um, because they do want to expand to other 
other venues. And um, and I think, I think I'm not sure, but I think the third game at Wembley was the end of their contract, Wembley, mm. this year. And so they'll probably, you know, you can probably count on two a year at Spurs. Um uh, unless unless the players complaining about the field is is going to influence yeah. them, but I think they they want to go to other locations in Europe, um, you know, and you know they'd probably be in Germany in the near future, and then expand into into other places just to just to try it out. Um, a franchise to me still still is a worry um, for the things that can go wrong. Um, the beauty of the London games, besides the fact that everybody gets to see something, you know, it's like your team comes around eventually, but if it's not your team, you go to the ga- a game because it looks like a good game or some, or it's a fun event, which is, you, well, which is often both. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the games aren't always excellent games, but they're usually interesting games. Um, but it's always a fun event to go to. Um, but if you put a team in there, you don't necessarily have a a home fan base for that team beyond anyone else's home fan base. So to convince people to buy season tickets will be a bit difficult, you know, and they'll be expensive as well, which the, which the fans are are aware of. And if that team gets off to a bad start, you know, and the way that team would probably work, you'd be playing two games at home, two games in the States to game, you know, that just to save on travel and, you know, both money and, and acclimation for the players. Mm. Um, acclimatization, not acclimation. They'll only get acclimation. Give me both. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if your team starts off and it comes back to London after four games and, and they're one in three, say, uh, and then they drop down to, to two and four, maybe, and they're kind of out of the division already. Yeah. If you don't have a season ticket base, you're yeah. going to get a lot of, empty seats we i would think at that point because there's too many games you know and and it goes into december and blah 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 Mm. so you know i just think the system right now still works and works well and if it does work i i'd be kind of hesitate i would kind of hesitate to um to break it up now jacksonville playing two of their eight home games or, or do they have nine this year i didn't even check but god i don't know either you know, i get your but, point you know, every yeah. other year back they'll have nine and yeah. yeah so playing two games back to back implies that they're thinking of you know looking at how a team would function mm-hmm. function here um but you know that doesn't even take into account all the extra things like you know if your team is based here, where do you practice? You know, what, what do you do when you want to evaluate play? Do you want to bring in players, you know, to look at them as for free agents? Do you have a sub sub home in the states? You're you know? gonna have to do that. Yeah, sure. It, it, yeah. it gets com- it gets comp. What do players do with their families? You know, that kind of thing. You know, ad- anecdotally, there is talk. Uh, there was talk of yeah, empty seats, lots of tickets available on scalper sites. And this general sense of fatigue this year. Now, we know that there can be, and we see it a lot when the games are announced, right? That maybe they're not on paper marquee matchups, but they turn out to be cracking games. I always remember that yeah. one the UNOC did back in the day, the Washington-Cincy game, which everybody slated and said, oh, this is going to be terrible. And it turns out it was one of the best best games uh, yeah. that, we've, that we've had, right? So it it's, always seems to correct itself. But this year, it feels there's a, more negativity than usual around around the London games. Is that because it's too much of a good thing and all fans want more and more and more? The matchups, the games themselves weren't 
great. The pricing is a huge issue, of course, for a lot of people, particularly right now with everything going on and cost of living. Yeah. Do you did you pick this up? Did you get a sense that there is a? Link? I heard it. Yeah, I heard it from a number of people. Right. Um, there weren't. I didn't go to the game yesterday because I couldn't. I mean, I just couldn't do the walking, um, and uh, standing in the the tube and the the train and all that kind of stuff. Despite being mobbed wherever you go, and Mike, but that, well, that, that <laughs> less and less, less and less as time goes uh, on. They don't on. they don't recognize me from they the you know from me. the dashing youngster who used to do those games. <laughs> um, but um, there weren't many empty seats. You know, you, yeah. you have to really scan hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and some of those obviously. Well, are seats that are sold anyway, you know, and, yeah, and people can't come or they're, yeah, the, people yeah. can't come or they've resold them. So that to me was not, it's not a warning sign or a problem yeah. at, at yeah. this point. I do agree that they probably need to, um, I don't know. I don't know because the, the demand is such, there's not really, I don't think any pressure on the NFL to lower the prices. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as, as long as people are still happy to go on, you know, jump on the computer, jump on the computer on the day they were released, excuse me, to get some, I think, you know, that's, that's not a worry, but, you know, I think they could consider ways, ways to make it a little bit easier for newer people to, you know, to get involved um, or groups. And the, uh, the other and longstanding weird... fans as well, it would just priced out yeah. every, every time. I mean, why yeah, well, not they're they're the ones... money as it is like, why do, it, it would be such a refreshing stance if they said, we're going to release X number of tickets at this price. And we'll make a little bit less on, on this game as a result. I mean, yeah. why why not? And, and I think that's the thing they've got to be careful about. The making sure that the existing fan base, which I think is often mis uh, underestimated and misunderstood that what constitutes an existing fan or a hardcore fan. I think it's a big, big tranche of casual but literate fans that are, oh, they'll come to anything. They'll watch anything. We'll price it at this and they'll be there. I'd be really careful about they, that. They, yeah, and they're obviously aiming at non what they consider non-football fans. The interesting thing was that, you know, they talk about non-football fans, but the first game at Wembley where Jacksonville was the home team. Yeah. The crowd was definitely pro-Jacksonville. Yeah. And the second game where Jacksonville were the visitors. Yeah. The crowd was overwhelmingly Bills. Bills, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like it must have been 60, 67, you know, percent. There were Bills jerseys everywhere. They they made the Bills feel like a home mm. team. Mm. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because that implies you have a, a serious fan base enough to, you know, to get 60 or more percent of the tickets. And yeah. the, and and there were a lot of Bills fans over from the States. There were, yeah, there were a ton. A there bunch of group, but but that's a few thousand, you know, not that's not the, the rest of the uh, 40,000 making the noise. Carlson, you can follow the big man on Twitter at Carlson Sports, uh, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE for his deep diving stylings and profiling. About <laughs> last, this week. last week was Dick Butkus and, mm. and me and Sergio, <laughs> me and Sergio Brown. Ah, Sergio Brown, of course. Last seen going crazy in the me in the Mexican jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get uh, involved with that. Subscribe to that. Uh, patreon.com. We and a guest, a guest column by Taylor Smith about the Chiefs game. By Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I Mike, you are still connected, my friend. Look up yourself, bud. Um, I'll see you, you for some on Friday, right? Um, yeah. Is it Friday? 
Brilliant stuff from Iron Mike. Uh, he's back next Monday. He's always here next Monday. You can count on it. You can set your watch to it. I hope you're enjoying the rest of the output we're putting out too. We have J-Bell in the house this week. Oh yeah, looking forward to catching up with J-Bell. We're also talking a bit of FFS with Ben. Get involved with our Listener League. You know the drill by now. Hit the link. Join for free. Lots of great prizes. Come to see our friends USA Sports and DraftKings. Uh, all and I for Edge Rush as well. A ton coming your way. So get your questions in for any or all of the All Pro Gang. We'll see you with J-Bell next time here on the NC Show. Bye. Podcast Network.